0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real, a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. Uh, We try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Uh, Today's podcast, uh, we're actually going to start a series, um, which I'm really excited about. But before we get into that, before we get more into um, the series, I want to, again, continue with our our shout-outs for who's listening. And today we're actually going to stick... Um, we're going to stick with the U.S., right? We've done a lot of other nations, which is wonderful, and we're going to keep going with that. Um, but specifically, let's look at a couple um, states and, and and counties within those states and cities that are listening. So specifically, I want to highlight two because there's a lot in these two. Um, but specifically, I want to, um, to shout out uh, Washington. Um, there's listeners from Seattle, listeners from Tacoma, Uh, listeners from mercer island which is really cool to think we have listeners from um from seattle and tacoma and mercer island so if you're listening from washington thank you guys so much for supporting and listening and uh, we hope that you continue to to grow and listen with us and then also uh, where i went to school um or dad went to school where my brother was born you know in in tennessee we've got a lot of listeners there too so um we've got listeners in oakland um in Cookville and Selmer and Pulaski and Seville and Paris, Oneida. There's so many from Tennessee. I have so many friends from all these different cities in Tennessee. And we're so thankful that you're listening uh and supporting the podcast as well. And we're just so grateful that we can we can do our part and and spreading the gospel and spreading the seed and just doing what we're supposed to do and and letting other people be exposed uh to the scripture. And so that we can learn and set it together. So this is great. Thank you guys so much from both of those states. And uh, we hope that we continue to keep growing the podcast together. Okay, so like I mentioned before, um, I wanted to start a series of of podcasts here. Um, But specifically, what we want to do for this series is we want to start on a a series called um, Defining Biblical Love or defining different aspects of biblical love. And so throughout this study, we're going to look at different things of how to increase our biblical love. And when we talk about biblical love, we're talking about agape love, right? We're talking about the love that God had for us. And so and so you'll see throughout these different parts in the study, as we talk about this, we're my goal is to, Bring out the relationship that God has with us, and that God has always had with us, so that we can have it with one another. That's that's my goal. Um, as we learn about, as we learn about biblical love, and so we'll look at topics like, um, how can I learn how to forgive, which is a big thing, right? It's very easy to stay bitter, right? It's very easy to. Uh, to not forgive and to hold a grudge is very easy to do that. Even among Christian people, that's tough. So that's, that's one thing we'll look at is how to forgive. We'll also look at how to sacrifice, which is a big thing, and especially talking about Ephesians chapter five, that's a, that's a big chapter uh, for sacrifice. And I believe that a lot of things get overlooked when we talk about sacrifice. And so we're going to study about that a little bit more. And then number three, we're going to look at, well, how can I just, how can I love more? You know, sometimes we like to put a limit on things. Well, I can love someone up to this point, or I can do this up to this point, or well, I want to compare how does God continue to love us when we transgress? How does God continue to love us when we do certain things? So we want to look at that, but specifically today, we want to get into the topic of how to love when you don't feel loved. Okay, so that's our topic for today, how to love when you don't feel love, right? And what we want to do is we want, again, we want to dive into the relationship that God has with us and to see how he does these things so that we can mirror what he does. It's all about looking at him. He's the standard. He's the example. You know, a lot of times, and it's great, you know, we have our love stories that we look at and read and watch, but he is the standard. So if, if, if me as a single, if you as a single, if you as married, if you as looking for someone, if you want to learn to love or to how to increase your love, we have to look at him, right? We have to look at what he did, right? And I know we have great examples of, of families, of grandparents, of great grandparents, and that's wonderful, but we need to look at God for how to love okay and so how to love when you don't feel loved right so let's 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 introduce this so you think about you think about this topic how easy is it to love someone who just absolutely loves you right how easy is that for me it's it's easy you know when someone expresses that they care when someone expresses um, that they you know like being around me they like hanging around me that's it's it's easier to love someone who absolutely loves you, right? It's pretty easy, right? Also, here's another question. How easy is it to love somebody that you love? So the same person that that loves you, how easy is it for you to love them? I would argue it's almost easier because you see them in a different light that they see themselves, right? So you love them in some cases more than they seem to love themselves. And so the challenge is this. When we talk about how to love when you don't feel loved, the challenge becomes what happens when the one that you love or that you should continue to keep loving, right? And these can be multiple people. We're talking about couples. We're talking about about brethren. We're talking about family. We're talking about all these other different relationships that we have in life. The challenge becomes when the one or the ones that you love in the, same, in the same way, shape, or form, what happens when that person that you love offends you? Now, this is what I want to keep in context here. When I talk about offending, in this context, I'm not speaking on offending as in sin. Right? We know from the scripture that uh, sin is a transgression of God's law. So in, in this context, I'm not talking about sin because from the Old Testament, from the prophets, from, uh, from the New Testament, we see that when sin is in the camp, sin needs to be taken care of, right? Whether it's yourself, whether it's with others, it just needs to be taken care of. So in this context, I'm not talking about sin, but in this context, I'm talking about personal. So what happens when the one that you love in some way, shape, or form, offends you? What if they don't agree with how you think things should be done? What if they don't necessarily see things the way that you see them? What if they just flat out irritate you? What if they do something that you feel in your eyes is wrong? Then how do you continue to show love to that person? How can I still love them When I don't feel like the love from them is being returned. Or how do I still love them if I disagree with them? How can I do that? Let's look at let's look at God's love here. Okay, so let's let's get into this. How to love when you don't feel love. So number one, God's love was selfless when we offended him. So in order to answer our question, again, we have to go back to look at what God did. How to love when you don't feel loved? Well, what did God do? Well, God's love was selfless when we offended him. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2 quickly. And again, if you're new to the podcast, you know, we love to open up our Bibles and study together. You know, you can hear the my pages flipping here. You know, it's one thing to uh, quote scripture, and that's great that you can do that. But it's I think it's always good, even if you know the scripture, to turn it so that people can see it and see it for themselves. All right. So first Timothy, chapter two, verse four, and then we'll get into our uh, our topic for today. Okay. so remember, we're talking about how to love when you don't feel loved. This is very it's very interesting because God's love was selfless when we offended him. So here's I think here's a principle that we need to understand first. God does not need us but God wants us. All right? So we need to understand this concept. God does not need us, but God wants us. So according to 1st Timothy chapter 2 verse 4, notice what God what what Timothy tells or what Paul tells Timothy here about God. Verse 4, who will have all men to be saved? And to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what is God's desire? God's desire is for all men to have the opportunity through the gospel to do what? According to verse 4. According to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So when God acted, when God sent his son, John 3, 16. When God had this plan from the foundations of the earth, according to the book of Genesis, did God act selfishly to gain something? Did God act selfishly in order for himself to gain something? No. What did God do? Instead of acting selfishly, rather, God acted selflessly so that we could gain And so how did God act selflessly so that we could gain? So even when we offended him all the way back in the book of Genesis, and in this context, this is talking about sin. When we've offended him, then what did did God do for us? How did he handle us? What did he do for us moving forward after the transgression? Here's four quick things I want you guys to write in your notes if you're taking notes. Here's four things that God did to act selflessly when we offended him. So number one, God acted selflessly because God suffered by the hand of his own creation that he called good. Look at Genesis chapter one. Look at this text here. Remember after creation and after he created everything, notice what God says here. If you go to Genesis chapter one, verse number 31. So after he made man, notice what he says. And God saw everything that he made. And behold, notice what he says here. How good was it? It was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So think about what God did. So when God made everything, what did he call it? He called it very good. But the thing that he loved and the thing that he called very good and the thing that he loved More than anything, when that thing offended him, what did God do for man? God suffered. Remember when Jesus left heaven, were things great for him here all the time? So Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was hurt. Jesus was left by himself. Jesus was left to suffer. Jesus was told he was a fraud. Jesus was spit upon Jesus had to carry his own cross, but because of his love for us, what did he continue to keep doing for us when we as mankind offended him? God chose to suffer. And so how do you act selfless? Sometimes you still have to choose love when you suffer. And so we'll get more into that later, but let's keep going through this list. Not only did God suffer by the hand of his own creation, but then number two, God gave up his glory so that we could gain glory. Let me, let me rephrase that. God gave up the glories of heaven. He never gave up his glory. But God gave up the glories of heaven so that we could gain glory. According to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he, God, what did God decide to do? That he gave. So in order to act selfless to someone else, guess what you still have to continue to keep doing? You have to continue to keep giving. Think about, you know, up to that point in John 3, 16, think about all the evil that man has done to God. Man has continued to kill children. Man has continued uh, to hurt one another. Man has continued to live in sin. Man has continued to worship idols all the way up to that point in biblical history. But even from the foundations, God still decided, John three sixteen to continue to do what to us? God will continue to give. God gave up the glories of heaven so that we could gain glory. Have you really thought about that before? That God gave up the glories of heaven he chose to leave so that we could have the opportunity to gain what he has you know how ridiculous that i mean that's just that's crazy even think about right now as i'm sitting here you know i can't i can't even really explain it but john 3 16 god gave his only begotten son you know what i mean that it just it's unreal the things that he did and you talk about selfless, he continued to give regardless, right? Then number three, God also gave up position and God also gave up rank. Notice this, look at Ephesians chapter one. And when I say position and rank, not that he gave up who he was, but notice this. I want you to look at this. Ephesians chapter one, uh, verse number 20. Notice, notice what it says here. Actually, start in verse 19. Uh, And and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he sat him at his right hand at the heavenly places. So when Christ decided to leave, John 3, 16, when God gave, what else did Jesus give up? What else did he he left? Notice he was set at the right hand, right? So he gave up the position of sitting at the right hand of God so that he can become a servant to us. Think about that. He gave up the position of sitting at the right hand so that he could become a servant. So now here's what makes this crazier. According to John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So if the word was God, then according to Genesis chapter one, then which part of the Godhead created everything? According to John one, one through three Christ. So if Christ created everything. Notice the humility that Christ had to have had. My creation, I will become as them to save them. Think about the selflessness that Christ had to have had to have had to serve knowing full well that he's the one that created every single fiber of every single person that has walked and that was walking and that ever will walk. And what did he still decide to do? According to Philippians chapter 2 verse 7, Christ who took on the form of what? He took on the form of a servant. So how can I love when I don't feel loved? How can I love when I may disagree with someone? How can I love when I don't feel the same type of love from someone else? You do that by giving. Notice the thing that's, that's, that's similar between all these. Christ gave. Christ gave his life. Christ gave up the glories of heaven. Christ gave up the, the right hand. But what else did he give up? Notice verse uh, number four on the list. Notice God went through temptation so that we could have the glories of heaven. Look at Luke chapter 22 quickly. Luke chapter 22, and this is crazy as I was studying this today. Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Now, again, before we get into this, we need to understand one thing. We need to understand the difference between temptation and sin. Christ never sinned because Christ was perfect according to the book of Hebrews, but Christ was tempted. Matthew chapter four, right? Satan tempted him. So notice this. If we look at Luke chapter 22, verse 42, remember Jesus knew and he understood what was coming. He knew and he understood that he was getting ready to die. So God gave up the temptation to quit. Think about that, guys. God gave up the temptation to quit loving us. You know, here, and before we get into this, sometimes isn't it hard when, when you have to suffer, when you have to give up certain things for someone else? Sometimes you ever feel like, man, I want to quit. You ever feel like, I, I just don't know how much more uh, I'm doing. I think about, Think about Jesus for a second. Think about the thoughts that may have. I'm not saying that it did, but think about the thoughts that may have gone through his head. And I know it would have gone through mine. I gave up everything for these people. I gave up the glories of heaven so I can come to be a servant. And now they're killing me. Now. You know, and remember, we sing seen the song. Um, he could have called 10,000 angels. God gave up the temptation to quit. Because remember here, look at Luke chapter 22, verse number uh, 42, actually verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and he kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, what did Jesus say? Remove this cup from me. What cup is he talking about? Remove this cup. What's this pain that's about to happen? All this is getting ready to happen. Christ gave up the temptation to quit. So guess what this was here? This was a temptation because Jesus was God, right? So Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, couldn't he? But what did Jesus decide to do? Notice, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And so Jesus gave up the temptation to quit loving us. He continued to show his love, even though he had to suffer. Sometimes in your personal relationships, sometimes you may have to do that. You may have to continue to suffer. And you may be tempted to quit loving someone. You may be tempted to quit serving someone. You may be tempted to quit giving to someone. You may be tempted to quit doing something for someone. But notice, God continued to give. No matter what the situation was, God continued to give to us. You know, I think about a song that we sing, How Deep the Father's Love. You know, and my favorite line in that song, it gets me every time, especially when we sing it at camp. When we talk about how deep the Father's love for us, the one line. It says, why should I gain from his reward? Jesus was already in heaven. Jesus had everything. Jesus, Jesus was God. And Jesus was sitting at the right hand of God. But Jesus and God and the Spirit had compassion on man to have a plan for us. And Jesus decided, according to Philippians chapter 2, to become a servant and decided to suffer. He decided uh, to be betrayed. He decided to die. He decided to do all these things. And so the question is, who am I that has offended God? Why should I gain from his reward? And in the song, it simply says, I cannot give an answer. I don't understand. Why should I gain from his reward? I, I can't give an answer. You know, so let's, let's, let's make some application for us on this point of God's love was selfless when we offended him. When you have been offended, whether in the sin context or whether in personal feelings co- context. When you've been def- offended. How can you and I learn to be selfless? One thing about selflessness it's always about giving. It's always about not looking at you. Think about what the Lord, and the thing about selflessness, is not thinking about anything else, but what would the Lord want me to do? You know, I, I heard a story from, uh, from mom, and, and this was a, a great example of selflessness on, on her part. They were having, you know, mom said they were having an argument and this was in the morning, you know, during breakfast time, and they were having an argument, and uh, you know that's what happens in in marriage. Sometimes you just have arguments, and so they kind of went their separate ways. And Dad was upstairs, and Mom was downstairs. Um, and you know, in most marriages, when you think about when there's a when there's an argument, right? When there's a fight, when there's a a disagreement, you know, most times it's well, you know. I'm staying away from him until he says something I'm staying away from her until she says something. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm just going to go to work. I'm just going to go to the office. I'm just going to go with the boys. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to do all this. Right. But mom, mom told me something, um, that I really appreciate her saying this, because this is what I'm looking for. And this is what every young man should be looking for. You know, mom said in that moment when I was angriest with your father, She said, I didn't think about what I should do. I didn't think about calling anybody and talking about your father. He said, I thought about what does the Lord want me to do? Even though I'm angry with him in this moment, what does the Lord want me to do? He wants me to do what his son did to keep serving, to keep giving. And so mom said that she made breakfast And as mad as she was, she brought him a plate of food, but she didn't just bring the plate and just throw it down here. Here, take, take the food. You better be thankful. I made this. You better be, (laughs) you better be thankful. You're not eating cereal, right? You better be thankful. You're not, she didn't do it in that attitude. And she didn't do it to one up dad in the terms of, in, in the sense of like, look at me, I can still serve you when I'm mad at you. Not in that sense, but she did it to say, This is what the Lord wants me to do because I still serve him. And this is what he wants me to do, even though I may be angry at you. And so marriage is all about servitude, right? And so in that moment, mom said that dad, all dad can say was bless you for that. And so think about servitude, just because we're angry, just because we may not agree, just because, uh, we may, um, see differently on a certain subject, maybe have different opinions, maybe just be angry, right? It doesn't mean that we should stop serving. It doesn't mean that we should stop serving. We are still called to become servants and to continue. See, agape love is not conditional. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at that in a second. But agape love, it continues to give. So, did Christ only give to us when he wanted to? No. Christ continued to give. He continued to give up. He continued to suffer because of his love for us. And so, why serve? We serve, number one, because we love God, but we also serve because we love everyone else. It's all about giving. So, how to love someone? When you don't feel loved, number one, be selfless, continue to keep giving. And this is what I challenge myself. And I challenge you continue to give and continue to be selfless. Even if you're angry, continue. Jesus did it. He showed us it's possible, right? So we can. So God's love was selfless um, when we offended him. Then number two, I mentioned this a little bit, but let's get into the second one here. Not only was God's love selfless, but number two, God's love was unconditional when we offended him. So God never stated that he would only love those who loved him. He never stated that. God loved his enemies. And so think about this example for a second. Well, Let's get into a few examples. God's all-knowing. He's all-powerful, right? And so Jesus being God was God and man, right? And even though Jesus was God and man, when he chose his disciples, guess who God still chose? Guess who Christ still chose? He chose Judas. Now, can you imagine being Christ, being man and being God, knowing that this man that I chose, he's going to betray me with a kiss one day. Imagine knowing for three years, this man, he's going to be the one to cause me some pain. This man is, is going to be the one that's going to cause me agony. This man is going to be the one that's going to get the ball rolling for me to die on the cross. He understood that about Judas. But knowing this, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, did he wash Judas's feet just a little bit less? I'll still wash your feet, but I'll just use dirty water, though. Did Jesus not feed Judas when everyone else was fed? See, Jesus' love for Judas was still unconditional. It was still unconditional, even though he understood and he knew one day, you're going to betray me. Think about with Peter as well. right? Didn't Peter deny him three times? And so notice this. Think about unconditional love for a second. Look at Matthew chapter five with me, okay? Matthew chapter five, and the think about being unconditional. This word, in my opinion, goes hand in hand with unconditional love. Matthew chapter five, and I want to look at verse, um, verse number, first number seven. Now again, this is the beatitudes here. So notice what Jesus says here. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So mercy and grace, right? Unmerited favor, something we don't deserve. So think about this. Think about mercy. Did we deserve God's love when we offended him? No. But what did God extend to us by giving his son? He extended grace. He extended mercy. And so in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, what did God say? Blessed are the merciful. For what shall you obtain? You shall obtain mercy. So what happens when the first time somebody crosses you, then you stop talking to them. Are you merciful? Then what happens when you need mercy one day? Are you going to obtain that mercy? Not according to verse seven. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Here's a perfect example. And we can't go through all the book, but I would just want you to look at the book of Job this week. And you look at everything Job went through but specifically with Job and his friends. Think about all the evil things that Job's friends said about him. Were they extending mercy to him when he needed it? No. But notice, at the end of the book of Job, if you go there real quick, so keep your finger there in Matthew, but if you go to the end of Job, and I know I mentioned this before in a podcast, but this is is amazing as well. If you go to the end of the book of Job, notice what happens here. Job chapter 42. And this is, this is, this is crazy. So Job chapter 42, uh, notice what happens here. Verse number 10. So all these guys are saying all these evil things about him. They were not extending mercy to Job. They were not being comforting to Job, but look at what Job does for them. Job needed mercy up to this point, right? Because remember he had still lost everything. Plus they were talking about him. So Job, If anybody needed mercy in the book of Job, it was Job. So now, verse number 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job In other other terms, Joe or God gave Job mercy from all that pain when he did what? When he prayed for his friends who did not show him mercy. So now if we go back to Job chapter 5, or, or Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the merciful. So in order to have mercy, what must my love be for those who don't give mercy to me? It must be unconditional. Blessed are the merciful. Merciful. For they shall obtain the same mercy that they're giving out. You see, don't put conditions on your agape love. Serve because it's what God demands from us. It's what he, it's what he wants from us. You think about, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. We have to have an attitude that no matter what has happened to me, no matter what has being, is being said about me, no matter what someone will say about me, when they need help, guess what I will extend? Mercy. I will extend mercy. Because when I want mercy, then what do I want given to me? I want mercy too. So look at this quick. Look at Luke chapter 6. Here's another great example. You know, we're talking about how to how to love when you don't feel loved. Not only do you have to continue to be selfless, but you have to continue to grow your love to that unconditional point. And that's tough. That's a tough thing to do. Look at Luke chapter 6. Um, and let's start in verse number 32. Yeah, Luke chapter 6, starting verse 32. Notice, notice our text here. Notice what it says. Actually, start in verse 31. And as ye would that men do to you, do ye also to them them likewise. Now, watch the example he gives here. For if ye love them which love you, what think ye? Or what thank ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank ye? For sinners also do the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what think, what thank ye? for servants also lend to sinners to receive as much again. So look at the examples that Jesus is giving here. He's saying, if your love is based off of conditions, well, I'll only love someone that loves me. I'll only lend someone who can lend to me. I'll only do good to someone who does good to me. If your love is conditional, he says, what makes your love special? He said, your love is essentially like everybody else's in the world. He says, sinners do that. He says, sinners love people who love them. Sinners do all these things. So he says, so "So your love is not matching mine. He said, you're looking at the wrong example of how to love. So how should I love? Look at verse 34 or verse 35. But love your enemies and do good, and lend, and hope for nothing again. So remember, if we go back to Matthew chapter 5, how does the beginning start? Blessed are the what? Blessed are the merciful. So when I love my enemies, when I do good, when I lend, and when I hope for nothing again, and I do those things not to one-up people, But I do those things because that's what the Lord wants me to do. What am I extending? Mercy. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. So now let's read the end of the verse. And if you do these things, your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest. Watch, watch, watch. For he the father, the example of unconditional love, he is kind to the thankful and to the evil. Ah, Now watch, it quotes it, y'all. Verse 36, be ye therefore what? Merciful as your father also is merciful. You see, people think this stuff is, is easy. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. Think about how many people don't follow the Lord. Think about how many people curse his name. Think about how many people don't believe that he exists, but what does he still extend? Mercy. So if you want to obtain mercy here, and if you want to obtain mercy on the day of judgment, what do you need to continue to extend to everyone? Mercy. So in order for me to extend mercy what does my love have to be towards my spouse? What does my love have to be towards, um, towards those I disagree with? What does my love have to be towards my family? What does my love have to be towards your family? It has to be unconditional. Because once we start putting conditions on love, we'll be just like everybody in verse 32 to 34. Well, I'll do good to you, and then we'll use one word. We'll use the conditional word. I'll only be good to you if. I'll only lend to you if. I'll only forgive you if. I'll only do good to you if. So then, instead of having an unconditional love, then you'll have an iffy love. So do you want to have an iffy love like everybody else? Or do you want your love to be unconditional? Well, how do I make some, some application and practice for this? You make application and practice with this in, in regular life. So what happens when you disagree with a friend? Or what happens, when, um, what happens when, when you and a friend or you and a family member or you and whoever disagree? Then when's the time to extend that unconditional love to them? That's the time. Extend mercy. Don't put conditions on your agape love. Serve because it's what God demands of us. Luke chapter six, verse 32 through 36. And I love how at the end of that verse, in verse 36, he quotes Matthew chapter five. Be ye therefore merciful. To be merciful, right? To give. Sometimes we can't look at each other. Because if we look at each other too much, our love will be iffy. Well, I'll only do this if. But if you look at God, your love will be unconditional. And so how do I love when you don't feel loved? God's love was selfless. So God continued to give. God's love was also unconditional, right? God continued to extend mercy. But then here's a big one y'all. <clears throat> God love God's love challenges my love to be like his. God's love challenges my love to be like his. So when I don't feel loved, when you don't feel loved, when you don't feel um You know, when you don't feel like you're being heard, God's love challenges my love to be like his. So here's this example. Um, Have you ever done something wrong and you, you know you were wrong and whoever you wronged, you were expecting like a negative punishment from that person? So you were kind of expecting them to get mad. You were kind of expecting them to be angry. You were expecting them to kind of blow up at you. And then the moment you see them again, the moment you talk to them, the moment, whatever it is, then they treat you with kindness. How does that make you feel? Makes me feel real small. Right. In your mind, when you kind of hype it up to where you expect this blow up. But then you're treated with kindness, then it makes you feel small for not having the attitude that they have. And so God's love for you and God's love for me should challenge me to love my brethren better, to love my, you know, to love your spouse better, to love your families better. So think about this. God loved me when I hurt him. So how can I love someone when someone hurts me? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves when we talk about how do we grow our love? Can my love grow more for them, for the people that have hurt me, the people that have hurt you, the people that you may be in disagreement with? Can my love towards them grow more as God's love for me continued to grow, even though I hurt him? And think about even in the present moment, you ever think about you ever think about things from God's perspective? I know it was fictional, but but there was a movie I watched the other day um, and it was called A, A Conversation with God. And I never thought about this until he said, you know, the premise of the movie was a guy was going through problems in his life and he was a journalist and he interviewed a guy who said he was God right? And so he would kind of disappear after the interview, right? I know it's fictional, but just kind of go along with it here. In the, in the movie he mentioned, he asked the journalist who was going through all these problems. He said, well, if you were God, do you understand how things are? You, know, you don't understand my problems. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand. But he said, have you ever thought about things from my perspective? And I never thought about that. Sometimes when we when we think about Christianity, sometimes we think too much about things from our perspective. We need to start looking at things from God's lenses. Have you ever thought about things from God's perspective? How many times does God continue to forgive you? I'm talking about you as an individual. I'm talking about me. How many times does he continue to help you along? How many times, how many second and third and and fourth and fifth, and a thousand chances has he continued to give you to get it right? How many times has he blessed you, even though you felt as if you didn't deserve it? How many times has he helped you? And think about you're just one person. Think about how many other people God has to, to do this for. So, how can my love continue to grow as God's love continues to grow? I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians chapter 13, and again, this is, this is called, you know, obviously the love chapter, and it's, it's from where, where my, one of my favorite songs comes from, The Greatest Commands, right? I love that song. Um, but he talks about these things, and he talks about what love is. And specifically in verse 1 and 2, he mentions, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have charity, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. So you think about what Paul is saying here. What if, he's, think about what he's saying. He said, what if I had all the faith in the world, but I only love those who love me, but I have all faith. So, what if, he said, I'm still wrong because it's not motivated right. He said, What if I can? He said, You know, I have the tongues of man, I can do all these things. But he says, What if my motivation was wrong? What, why am I doing this? He said, If I don't have the agape love behind it, not the touchy feely type of love, not the oh, saying I love you all the, t- all the time type of love, but if, if my actions for you, is not motivated by agape love and it's only motivated by, well, I got to do this so I can look the part or I'll be nice to him when everybody's around. If, if my love for you is not motivated by the right thing, Paul says we're nothing. And so that's why in verse 13 of chapter 13, now abides faith, hope, and charity. These three, But the greatest of these is what? Is charity. So when I think about God's love for you, when I think about God's love for me, it should 1,000 trillion percent challenge my love to be better for my spouse. It should challenge my love to be better for my brethren. It should challenge my love to be better for my family. It should challenge my love to be better for your family. Because if, if my love is not motivated by the same love that God had for me, I'm nothing. So, you know, we talk about biblical love. How can I love even though I may not feel loved? I need to continue to give as God did. I make, I have to continue to be selfless. Then number two, my love for everyone has to be unconditional. My love, I have to be able to extend mercy. I have to be able to be kind. I have to be able to do these things. And then number three, my God's love for me has to challenge. I have to look at where I am. You have to look at where you are in terms of love, agape. And you have to say, how can mine grow more? Because ours is nowhere near. I I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. Mine needs to grow, right? My love for others has to grow as God's does. Because think about Matthew chapter 28 real quick. Before Jesus left, what did he tell us to do? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, right? So if I don't have agape love for mankind, then guess what I won't do? I won't evangelize. If I don't have agape love for my brethren, when they sin, guess what I won't show? Mercy. If I don't have agape love towards anyone, towards, towards brethren, towards, towards whoever we talked about, if I don't have that, then guess what my love's going to be? Conditional. Well, I'll only love you if I only do this if I'll only we need to increase our biblical love, increase it. And we'll get into this later as we study through this series. But we need biblical love, but we also need that accompanied with wisdom, right? We need biblical love accompanied with wisdom. There's situations. Um, that the Proverbs talks about, that other things talk about that. Yes, it's great to have biblical love, but there are situations where you need to get out of, there's situations where you need to walk away, there's other things that we need to talk about. So, you can't you have to accompany biblical love with wisdom, with faith, with hope, and just like in First Peter, all these things need to work alongside together as we learn to grow in grace and knowledge with, with God. So I hope you enjoyed that. I I really enjoy talking about this series. So that's our first part of the biblical love series. Um, I know our next part, we're probably going to talk about forgiveness. Um, And that's a, that's a big one too. So we'll get into, I guess we'll, we'll call it part two, talking about forgiveness. And then we've also got a podcast coming up with a couple of guests. We've actually got one with a couple of, uh, of guys that used to be in the youth group, Uh, with me a while ago and we'll talk about the relationship between um, a youth minister and the youth and and how that relationship should grow so I really look forward to that I look forward to doing that with you guys continue to like share and subscribe the podcast Uh, we're so thankful that you guys are listening from everywhere and we're so grateful that you're a part of this family with us and we'll continue to grow and and develop and learn together Uh, we're so thankful that you're here and we hope to continue uh, to grow our faith thanks guys